There, SE Land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler, here with episode number 72 of Twig's SE Reflections, a podcast series for SE students and practitioners everywhere. A couple off the top thoughts and suggestions, comments and encouragements for you as a somatic experiencing practitioner working with clients in distress, helping them feel better that much faster, easier. Let's all feel better. Today, today's episode. Letting down in the presence of another person. You know, it's a, I would say it's an expectation, a mammalian expectation to allow your organism to let down in the presence of your own species. Not all members of your own species, but as a rule, you know, life, life is designed to not be up all the time and one of the primary places that we're designed to get the sense of settling and letting down is in the company of another member of our own species. Now that's, that's maybe not as true for some species, some mammals, some, some folks out there. I think of weasels and, and wolverines, members of the mustelid family, other predator species spend a lot of time by themselves, don't spend a lot of time in contact and communication and and close with other members of their own species, but they do in child-rearing times and in coitus come close. And some of that actually doesn't always look like really letting down. Some of it can, can look pretty fierce in the case of Bengali tigers, for example. And yet there are these times, you know, when, when infants, cubs and kits are all with their mother they're letting down and they're all sleeping together bears in dens are sleeping together humans primates are close to one another social species especially spend a lot of time in proximity with one another and one of the one of the designs of the whole thing is that we'll be in proximity with somebody else with some other member of our species which will signal to us that we're safer for that, that their presence gives our nervous system a certain amount of ventral vagal influence, as it were, a certain amount of signal that says, hey, you're not kind of tweaky right now or uncomfortable or upset or ill at ease. That probably means that the situation here isn't very dangerous. That, that should mean that my organism itself should be able to calm down as well and join you in that state of at-easeness to be able to let down. It's, a, it's an expectation, a mammalian expectation to let down in the, member, in the presence of your own species. More or less, depending on which species you are, for humans, wow, critical storytelling at night to be able to sit there around the campfire, listen to the day's stories of who found what where and and what comes about in the world and how it all manifests to hear the stories of in the ancestral environment that required people sitting laying on one another and listening and being at ease letting down a few people in the in the clan falling asleep that's that's our nervous system at the end of the day back in the day well in our sessions, this plays a role, of course, because 
there's times when we see that people don't let down. They don't let down around other people. They don't let down around us. They don't let down sometimes ever. Maybe some people find the trick of helping themselves calm down by themselves, but not necessarily in the presence of another. This is something that we're constantly, constantly, in every session we're, we're negotiating in some way, like how much are we going to find it easier inside of ourselves and inside of our clients, especially what we're looking for is our clients to feel that much more ability to let down generally and in the presence of others. Now, of course, this is a bigger thing for some people with interpersonal hurts and dynamics back there, things that have happened that make them make it hard for them to take in the social signals of, of comfort and okayness and not misconstrue or get a inappropriate neuroception that says, Ooh, this person's too close. We're in the same room together. I, I have to be up on guard and agitated or watchful and weary. That's a, it's a thing. Some people, they've got those hurts and they've been put upon and, and it's maybe not so safe to be vulnerable and open and not vigilant. Other people, they can be stuck just, uh, you know, no, no fault of their own, stuck in the sympathetic system, the, just a repetitive signaling of the autonomic nervous system's sympathetic side of things, the fight-flight attitudes and behaviors, the physiology of the heart going faster and muscles feeling a little bit more tense and just a, a generalized agitation or increased sense of energy all the time, making it very hard to notice the signal of letting it down, very hard to accept the signal of letting down. It's, it's not a letting down kind of phase. It's a sympathetic kind of phase. And, and when that is stuck on or repeating all the time, it can be very hard for a person to let down, not want to do anything, take some space, give the time. No, no, we got to do stuff. We got to do stuff. My, I feel compelled. So the sympathetic system can, can be in there. The interpersonal hurts can be in there. These things can keep people from being able to settle. There's also coincidentally, or like, you know, conversely, or on the other side of things, there's people who are got a heavy influence of freeze, right? In which case they might let down in unproductive ways, maybe sometimes all the time or regularly or repeatedly. You go into a session and, and they just disappear. They you go into a session and they let down, they let down everything. They collapse. You know, it's a place where I, I think, be wary of the couch. Be wary of having a couch in your office. Some people, they, they come into your office, they see that you have a couch and they immediately move toward laying down and letting go in the presence of another, but it's not exactly productive per se. It's just could be a checking out, a disappearing, dissociating, distancing, not exactly being able to let down in the presence of another and feel okay about it, be here with it, be present with it, to be able to still have some amount of exchange between us. Sometimes it can just be unproductive and that letting down is a going away. Well, there's more. There's more that places where the letting down could be, you know, influenced and such, but let's let's move on let's move on there's there's enough right there's 
there's places where it's just hard because it's hard to be at ease with somebody else in the room, not be vigilant, not want to do more. It's hard to let down when you're driven by the sympathetic system. It's also a kind of question, what do you do when a person has the tendency to let go, let down, but too much? It, it, it's kind of the floppy nature of things. They just kind of turn into a puddle. They buckle. You know, I, I've done that. Don't worry. We've all done that. Some, some of us have done it a lot more than others. You're going to have to work really hard to catch up with how often I've done that. Well, generally in our sessions, letting down is a kind of progressive thing. It doesn't just start all at once and it doesn't happen all at once. And you probably, probably wouldn't want it to, even if it could. And yet sometimes you might as a practitioner think that that's what you want it you know this person's so up or so agitated or so vigilant or you know almost levitating off the chair totally without the influence of gravity on their organism you, you look and you're just like wow they're they're floating inside of themselves and and i'm just trying to help them lay down like settle down like let go like let it all out and you could you could almost have the hope or the desire to take the one state and turn it into the other state very quickly. You come in and give some kind of directive, like, let's just really settle down here. Oh, let's just, let's just put that story aside and really calm down. Let's like really let go and feel how your sit bones can really fall into the couch or the chair. Maybe. I'm not saying you can't do that. And, and certainly some of you do. I've, I've done that. It's a, it's a pattern out there. The more incongruent, however, we could say, the more incongruent that a person's, what we're asking of somebody and the phase that they're in, what they're already being compelled by psychobiologically, the more distance, if you, if you can make the transition, you could be very helpful. You could see, wow, this person's sympathetic system's really up. I'm going to give them these exercises to help calm them down fairly quickly, like directly tell them what to do in order to take deeper breaths, in order to settle things out. Maybe. Great. That did happen, if it does, if they settle, it happened because of you. Maybe they can, maybe they can interpret that. Maybe they can work with it. Maybe they can infuse that information into themselves and make use of it later on their own. It, it could also be quite a contrivance. It could be something that requires your expertise in order to guide them. It could be something that's a bit out of their own organism. Uh, positive and helpful, and certainly sometimes you might need and want to do it in order to buffer or stop this overexcitation or even prime for, give example of, give experience to, this sense of settling. And if, if all of the effort towards settling is based on your directive you know, maybe we just recognize that, that your expertise might not always be available to them. And on some level, part of what we're hopefully after is helping people claim their own expertise, be able to notice their own transition of states. In fact, be able to help their organism make those transitions organically of them themselves, of their own, rather than because of some kind of top-down or outside directive of, of what to do in order to get to a different feeling state. So there are these kind of like you could in sessions say, oh, this person needs to come down and I'm going to do this or that exercise. On the other hand, we could think of this as, as a progressive kind of thing rather than an all at once or 
an abrupt transition or change, sometimes there is, in fact, I think, I think we could say that the, the backside of the theory of the stress response in general being a stereotypical pattern that follows fairly easily identified psychobiological cues, you know, where, say, coming out of fight, no, excuse me, coming out of freeze, coming into fight-flight behavior, that's a very stereotypical pattern. As they go in, so they come out. You know, there's that line in medical science. As people go into freeze, the feeling states and physical movements and these kinds of things that are expressed before they go into freeze are very likely to return, at least in kind of the intensity or the desire of those same states, very likely to return when they come out. So as they come, go in, so they come out. That's a stereotypical pattern. That's a something that we can anticipate. Even the sequence through the entirety of the stress response, the activation cycle, is a known pattern. Sympathetic system gets to a certain amount of charge, probably according to Porges, the polyvagal theory, an oxygen-carbon dioxide relationship happens where the body says, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have a problem oxygenating here and shuts down, goes into freeze. That's a that's a expected pattern. Well once the neuroception says, Oh, I'm not in life threat anymore, then it's very likely that the organism is going to come out of that freeze dorsal vagal influence state and move over into the sympathetic side. Well, if we follow that through on the sympathetic side, then it's going to do what it's trying to do enough, at least in its feeling state, if not in its actual like motor plan actions, to where then once it starts to settle, we can anticipate that the ventral vagal system is going to become more available. Eyes, head, and neck going to become more interested in moving freely. Breath is going to become easier to be found. People are going to, of their own, start to settle more. It's going to happen because that's the biological pattern that we're trying to get inside of and help move along itself independently of what we might tell it what to do. We might have to guide attention in order to not get confused or caught by an arousal signal or the next tension pattern or some kind of thing that tells us to go back up. And yet as we're moving through the cycle, there are definitive moments. There are times where people express at least in small degree, little points of letting down. Now it's not maybe turning into the puddle or really falling into gravity or my whole body is just feeling the whole weight into the chair. Might not be the big grand one when you're just taking that first movement over the arousal cycle and starting to turn back toward the deactivation side. It might be just a tiny little signal that says, that's not as tense. Oh, it's not as tense. Or there's a little extra ease in the breath. It's not, it's not the little umbrella and the you know little <laughs> special little glass with an umbrella and colored liquid in it on a on a beach. You know, you're not just totally hanging out yet. It's a tiny little breath, but it's a it's a little breath that signals the possibility of moving toward letting down. When we see those signals, when you see those signals, you're wise and, and well-informed to, to tap those, to lean on those, to give some kind of feedback that says, that's the direction we want to go in. 
that's an interesting direction. That direction is more interesting than the up, up, up excitation interest that we were given before. Now, that might be necessary. Person's in fight, and you're giving some fight in your voice, and you're feeding back the, the notion of arousal. But once it hits that threshold that says, oh, I might not need to continue to go up anymore, that's actually when we take the next level of feedback to saying, now this is more interesting. We might even do that with our voice. We might do that with our person. We might lean in and, oh, and then lean back in order to signal, in order to feedback. That's something we're going to start to build and grow and give feedback to over time. And then as we start to move towards settling, as the activation cycle starts to move through, we move into deactivation and things start to show progressive signs of increasing deactivation, we can then give it increasing feedback and permission to allow to happen, to give the credibility for that, to give the time for that. In fact, at some point, when it becomes the norm or a stronger signal, oh, how, how about now, Twig? Like, uh, how about now? What are, you, what are you noticing now? Well, it's like, it's like things are really quieting down. You can come right back in there and say, oh, you notice that. You notice things are quieting down. Well, if you notice that things are quieting down, maybe we just take another moment and we'll, we'll just notice that. I mean, you know, like other things might be happening, but let's go ahead and pay most attention, the majority of our attention to any, anything that kind of suggests that things are starting to quiet down. You can turn the attention toward, legitimately and discreetly, the experience of things quieting down. And you'll probably then reinforce the notion of that with your pacing and your tone and your type of interest and your priming for what might happen next. Yeah, we might just, we might just give that all the time it needs. If it wants to just kind of continue to let down, we'll just, we'll just let that go all the way down. We're going to let that go maybe as far as it wants to go. You know, who knows how far things go? Like just the feeling, like even, even if it feels like it lets down farther than it can physically go, we'll just let it continue to let down as much as it wants to let down. You might walk along with that rather than tell a person how to calm down, rather than come in on the side of creating the deactivation and the letting down, you might, as you go, ride with the activation, deactivation, as you see the signals of, oh, this is starting to change, you then get to feed those back, encourage that to grow. Once it's grown enough that it becomes the thing that's happening, letting down, then you can turn to attending to that discreetly as though that's now what we're doing. And that's now the most important thing to continue to pay attention to. Now there, there is a, a caveat in saying that pattern. And it's one that we always have to be mindful of because in working with people who have a lot of noise and a lot of nervous system disorganization and dysregulation, um, well, this is just the, the truth. We have to be on the lookout for paradoxical reactions. You know, that whole notion of, of say, the, the um, relaxation-induced panic as we, as we see in the Nancy story back in Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. It's like that allowance for settling for some people can be its own paradoxical 
signal of danger that says, wait a second, last time I let down something bad happened. I'm not going to let down now. And so a, a too much letting down can actually be its own new signal of danger that says I should go back up. You, of course, would like to avoid that. You'd, you'd like to avoid encouraging somebody to settle down, to let down, and then have that turn, <laughs> see how it would feel, have that turn bad. You don't want to have that turn bad. You don't want to have that turn the other way. You don't want to confuse the, oh, if I let down, I'll feel, feel that much worse. So there's a certain caveat here where when you're encouraging people to let down, you're a little bit maybe on the edge of your seat looking and saying, is this going to go bad? If we let down any much more, if the, this person was really, really up there, really sympathetically oriented, this person was really not having an easy time being with me, and now we're, now we're really dropping down. Do I? Do I want to encourage that too much or much more? Am, are, are we going to hit some, some level where it's like, they sit upright and, and stiffen up and tighten up and, oh, you know, I was getting too vulnerable is the underlying message. They, they start to process or work on something else with you. When you can predict that that might be coming, that might happen, you probably just want to get the attention out of that letting down and, and get whatever value, get whatever value of the letting down that you could get and then, then move on. Uh, talk about other things. Look around the room. Stop paying so much attention to the feeling of letting down. Stop reinforcing that before it then becomes this paradoxical reaction. You don't, you don't want to trigger those unnecessarily, and you want to catch them before they happen, if at all possible. Yeah. You know, um, some folks, when they're letting down, they'll go all the way, they'll go all the way to the floor. They'll be in the couch, they'll be in the chair. They've got some kind of self-protective response thing happening, or they just feel the collapse and, and they're kind of riding with that, or, or they're, you know, kind of settling, and then they just feel this sense of wanting to keep going. They'll come all the way down to the floor. And if they do, and it kind of feels productive and appropriate, you probably want to go with them. Not, not in the sympathetic kind of way, not in the you collapse with them kind of way, not in the you get real close to them on the floor kind of way, but at least enough to s avoid, to s stop or to avoid that sense of something hovering above me. If you stay up in your chair and they go down to the floor, you very easily set up the psychobiological signal of predator prey. And if instead, as they're going down, you look for the appropriate way for you to gently, you know, there's different patterns, but what I usually do is I come off the side of my chair and then I move my chair back and then I re-inhabit on the floor, usually sitting sideways on my hip with my knees kind of tucked underneath me, looking, you know, sideways to where people are at just a little bit at an angle so you're not kind of intruding upon them. And maybe I then have... Maybe I then have a little lean against my chair, something to lean on. I'm pretty much in the same place that I was. I'm not making a big, big deal about this. I'm doing this slowly and gently. Um, other people, uh, uh, Stephen Hoskinson used to do this really well with me. It's just like you go down and uh, they're going down, the client's going down, and you go down with them. And as you do that, you're essentially saying your, your behavior here makes sense. You, you can go ahead and do that. And that'll encourage the sense of 
letting down in the presence of a, another person. Yeah. Well, here then you'll see that some of you are doing body work and on a table. Some of you are just going to see this and freeze somebody sitting in your chair and then go into freeze. Some people, some people go to sleep. You know, you get hands-on, say, say you're doing some hands-on work and, and they're letting down, they're letting down, and they're gone. And there's always this question in body work, you know, especially cranial sacral or intelligent touch listening kind of work. When people disappear and go to sleep or go away like that, do you let that happen? Do you want to let that happen? And that's a, that's a big, that's a big one. There's lots of this and that to this. And I'll say for now, that could be the first time for this person to let down in the presence of another person. A lot of clients will be so charged and, and so efforting on their own in the world that when they finally get that sensitive touch and they, they finally get to have a safe enough space and place to do this, they let down and, and pretty much immediately go away. Once that repeats itself two, three, four times, it's becoming less productive. It's, you're, getting, you're getting a lot less out of that, and you probably need to change or reorganize how it is you go about this. And when it first happens, first time or two, you, you really could be providing a remarkable service to give somebody the opportunity to rest down to where they stop tracking the environment for 45 minutes while they're in your office. You don't want to reinforce just disappearing and going away. And a lot of people need something that they don't even know that they're missing, which is this opportunity to feel safe enough in the presence of another person where they no longer have to track the environment and they can kind of go deeper into themselves as a, a less efforted place, less guarded place. It's hard to guard when you're asleep. Now that's said, some people are guarding by going to sleep, by getting away from it, but okay, caveats and, and nuances, you get the point. If you can be safe enough for somebody that they go to sleep in your presence, it's kind of a good sign. It's a good sign. Well, then there's those unproductive ones where a person can be floppy or, you know, they're, they're just disappearing. And, and, and I got to say, I got to say, I'm sorry to just not, not want to give you an answer on what to do right then. I'd say pay attention to it. Notice it. Notice when it happens. There might come a point where you can notice that you can get involved before this, help make the letting down process more integrated and congruent. At the same time, you know, you don't want to mix your signals too much. So if you're giving permission for people and what they end up doing is letting down and disappearing, yeah, you gotta you gotta not let that happen, but you also have to be wary of confusing your signal of permission and impermission. So sometimes what I generally think is once it's happening, I let it happen, and next time I try to stop it from starting to happen or letting it get so strong that now it's happening and redirect it before then. That's a little rubric, but for the most part, I, I just say sorry because, you know, sometimes it's awkward and sometimes it's real. What isn't awkward is when you walk a person through or walk with a person through the stress response and they settle and they really let down in the presence of you, of another person. They're 
sitting with their back against the couch or they're laying on the floor or they're kind of like really down into the chair or on the massage table, whatnot. And they say something like, wow, you know, I just, I just can't even believe how, how settled or how deep this feels or how, how okay this is or how nice this is to let go so much. And there is nothing, nothing awkward about that. If you get through the paradoxical reactions of wanting to go back up, if you get through the dissociation and disappearance, you get to the completion of deeply settling in the presence of, of you, well, that's just a whole lot of job satisfaction waiting on the other side of that experience. And it's going to be real good for the person too, because maybe they go home and they're sitting next to their love and they just find it that much easier to be at ease rather than need to talk about the next problem that the two of them have together. And oh, who couldn't use more of that? Okay, my friends, I hope you'll be letting down in the presence of another real soon. I wish you well out there. Take good care. Bye-bye now. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Here's a tracking twig moment, just to be sure that you're aware that I'm available for phone and Skype consultations, supervision, application of the somatic experiencing work to your meetings with your clients, your business out there in the world. If you'd like my feedback, some interaction with me around application, marketing, theory questions, your own process with how this is to learn and apply, I'm more than happy and available to meet with you. Of course, these are available for SE students and folks who are trying to get their SEP requirements with the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute. These are approved for all levels of that training. Of course, many of my friends and colleagues out there, other assistants, also do that. So nothing terribly special there, except if you're looking for my own voice, for my reflections on what you're up to, what's coming next, where you might be headed, I'm happy and encouraging you to be in touch. I'm happy to meet with you. My time is available. You can find out more, liberationispossible.org backslash schedule. Look for phone and Skype consultations. You'll see my availability. Easy to reserve a time. I'll give you a call. It'll be good that way. Okay, that's that.